This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. With the COVID-19 pandemic and the movement control order in place, art exhibitions, galleries and museums have been forced to shut their doors. And this has affected not just planned shows and exhibitions, but in many cases, the livelihoods of the artists as well. So what are the challenges currently being faced by visual artists and what is the way forward? To discuss this, I have with me via Skype, artists Sharon Chin, Rupa Subramanian, and Haris Rashid. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're okay. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for um, joining me. I believe from three different locations in Malaysia. Yes. I'm yeah. in Cameron uh, Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm in Podixon. Yep. And uh, Haris, oh. you're in KL? Yeah, I'm in Damansara. It doesn't sound as exciting. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad to hear that you guys are um, all hopefully happy where you are. Maybe we can start the interview off with the challenges that you know both you and your peers have been facing during this time. In terms of both the uh, pandemic and the MCO, what are some of the short-term versus long-term issues that you're seeing? Uh, maybe we can start off with Sharon? Well... I think foremost is definitely the issues of livelihood. Uh, that was that's always been an issue even before COVID nineteen, but now uh, it's become very urgent. Yeah, um, for me personally, uh, living away from the city means that cost of living is lower. Also. Uh, we, I don't have to pay any rent, so that's also um, really significant in terms of uh, not having this sense of urgency about, you know, how am I going to pay for my meals, how am I going to pay rent? Uh, these are the most urgent issues, I think, for most creators at the moment. Um, I think, yeah, same, um, where I've just uh, recently moved to a new studio this year. So it's about it's uh, thinking about rent and everything. Um, where else? Because I kind of depend more on events mm-hmm. and exhibitions. Although I don't really focus. Although I'm more I'm more of a gallery artist, but I don't have all my focus there. I still have my commercial work. So my mm-hmm. commercial work revolves around events and design. So when the COVID happened, so everything just got postponed and cancelled. So it's, yeah, uh, struggling to think of the plan B and plan C, so what to do next uh, in terms of money. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, like what Sharon said, this is something we've always had, la, dealing with the issues of money. So mm. uh, financially, I don't think I feel the pinch as much because I've always been sort of thinking a few months ahead of time. But maybe the, the struggle was more sort of emotional um, sort of weight that we suddenly had to figure out how to move forward without any support, uh, really. And um, mm. so kind of figuring out where we stand in this situation collectively uh, as well as individually. So that became more of a heady, heavier burden to carry um, than the, the, the financial aspects of things. 
So last week, I actually did um, this a similar show, but with uh, three members of the performing arts fraternity. And it strikes me that the concerns that uh, the, the concerns that are facing the visual arts community is probably quite different in some ways because um, it's not so direct that link right that okay there are no shows so people are not buying tickets therefore people are not making money um, when it comes to the visual arts there's actually a, a sort of an opportunity loss uh, a long-term uh, developmental loss um, that that I you know many people are talking about facing as well um, Ruby any thoughts on that um, I actually think that this point of time is a great opportunity. I don't see the loss aspect of it. Uh, obviously, if you're seeing how I worked from all these years before, then yes, uh, my art battle events had been cancelled. A lot of uh, my commission projects where I had live performances have been cancelled. But uh, a lot more grants are being opened right now. Uh, a lot more people are trying to find um, other solution methods. And so for me... Particularly, I, I think that this time, although it's very confusing, it's it's shutting down old methods that no longer work. So I think uh, art as we know it will no longer be relevant, but um, it is also opening doors for a completely new way of making art. And I think we should be bracing forward towards that line of thinking. And so at least we don't feel so morbid and like, you know, wallow in ourselves. So um, like, I really like how um, the whole community is actually kind of like brainstorming with each other and what I really loved about the community is that whoever I was calling and checking upon, everyone was really, um, I think the sense of community really came up during this point and I, I think I'm more grateful than ever having quit my digital marketing career to be an artist because I realize now that even though situation is tough, I'm in a community that's supportive, thriving, and I have that that support that I never got in my uh, digital marketing career. So I'm actually really excited about what's coming up in the future for us in the art scene. Mm. Sharon, any thoughts? Mm. Mm. I think the question that I've been thinking about is the idea of value. And mm. um, I've always... It's very important, I think, for artists to have a sense of confidence about being able to generate value because, and that's value in not just in a monetary sense, but in um, so many other different ways. Um, and uh, because I, well, one of the questions now is what is the place of art? Mm. And um, what is the value of art? Uh, it, um, I, 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 I found it a little bit confusing or disturbing that, uh, there seems to be a, rally, a rallying cry about, you know, um, artists need to be taken care of as well. Um, the, the question, the question here is, is, uh, uh, because uh, there is aid uh, for the needy mm. at the moment. It's definitely um, not enough, but there is aid. So I, f for me, uh, I, I was trying to navigate what it means for artists to be specifically calling for, um, for aid. Uh, yeah, as I, I mean, for, for visual artists, I'm, I, I, I do feel that 
this ability to generate value, networks, opportunities. We've always had this, and um, uh, it's not. It's never been ideal. Uh, I think we are very used to being precarious. Sure. <laughs> so we're, very, we're, we're, we're actually very familiar with the situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think many artists feel that this is, you know, uh, 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 well, visual artists anyway. Yeah, that yeah. much more yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I agree with Sharon that um, it's not so about um, trying to figure out the, I mean, like, income, anything. Yeah, I, with being an artist, you've always... Uh, thought about four or five months ahead and you've already prepared for that mm -hmm. months where you don't have money so I think it's yeah with Sharon what Sharon said it's like more of the long-term effects mm -hmm. of what what the value of art is going to be in the future and where is it where is it going to place in the importance of rebuilding our economy I guess mm. so I, I find it interesting um, that you guys bring up this point because um, at a time like this when the pandemic has had I mean a devastating impact on so many industries how do we make a case that the arts deserve special consideration you know are they mm. a priority should they be a priority at this time um, I think uh, that's a big question that we would you know, ponder upon all the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like if we if we look at it from say the policymakers and and from the point of view of the government, then it feels like no art is not essential. But the immediate thing that happened when um, you know the lockdown happened was people were turning into the arts to find some sort of uh, solace, right? Um, so you can't. Um, it, it's very difficult to define what. The value of art could be when everyone has a has a special relationship with it. So different audiences would find different value. I think with art, you know, for some people, it's a it's uh, it's almost like breathing that you need art to feel alive. Uh, with someone else, they don't even see the importance of art. Um, so we have different target groups and different people who uh, look at art differently. So I think. Now it's the role for artists themselves to become leaders and for artists themselves to define what value are they creating, the way Sharon said earlier, right? And then for them to lead the conversation because I think at this point of time, no one really knows what they're doing. Uh, I don't think policymakers know what they're doing. Um, it, it, we are all trying to maneuver our way around this situation. So it's almost like we're going to um, experiment, test, see results and then and this process has to be done seamlessly and very quickly in order to find solutions. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree that artists should take the lead. Um, what I found uh, recently, even before COVID-19, is that um, there's a difference between the art industry and then when we speak about the value of, the societal value of art, uh, they... I think very often uh, we are confusing one for the other when we talk about should art uh, uh, co continue to be, uh, be given importance? Uh, does it play an, uh, a valuable role in society in these times? I mean, if you look at it in terms of an industry, uh, I, 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 economically, 
um, I, 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 I personally don't really have the figures. Um, but, you know, I've never been able to make uh, a, a very good living from art. It's a, no, as in, when, when I say a, a good living, uh, I, I mean like a middle-class living. Uh, that's, that's never been real for me. Um, uh, I'm, I'm able to live the way that I live is because I'm very privileged. You know, I don't have to pay rent because we live in a house uh, that, that's owned by um, our parents um, and also out of the city. So uh, these, are, these are the realities. But in terms of like my confidence in the value that I generate, uh, I've always believed in that. You know, um, I think it comes down to very basic things like being paid, uh, being able to ask to be paid a certain rate or on time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, it's never, uh, it's in Malaysia, uh, in my experience, um, the industry has never been good about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of change, uh, yes, that definitely needs to change. But that's not because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in some senses, it's, it's only um, making obvious a problem that has been around for a while. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, we do need to take a quick break. But when we come back, um, I am interested to hear more about and, and to discuss more about this idea of um, how we determine um, the value of art and artists. Um, so I'm speaking with artists Sharon Chin, Rupa Subramaniam and Haris Rashid about how the COVID-19 pandemic and the MCO have impacted the local visual arts community. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Today I'm speaking with artists Sharon Chin, Rupa Subramaniam and Haris Rashid about how the COVID-19 pandemic and the movement control order have impacted the local visual arts community and uh, what are some possible ways forward. So before the break, we sort of circled around the point of making a case for the existence of art almost. And, um, and you know, as you guys pointed out, this is something that in Malaysia, artists have been struggling with anyway. Now, where do we see the government coming in, in terms of support? At this point in time, has there been enough support for artists, visual artists in particular? Um I think they've always been it out there, yes. Um, I'm like, I have to agree with before with sharing. I've also been privileged, so I've never really needed to ask for those aids, but I'm sure there is out there. Um, my concerns are more about, um, are those aids sustainable? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to think about uh, how artists can be more self-sustaining rather than uh, to rely on AIDS mm. because those AIDS can only last for so long. Mm. Yep. Uh, and we, we wouldn't know when we will have that same kind of support. So we would, I think it's important to create a system that is more sustainable for our creative scene. Um, no, I, 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 I absolutely agree with what Harris said because um, cu- currently the arts runs on a grant giving system mm-hmm. so you know you're, you usually that's the biggest source of funding I find uh, and I don't think it's sustainable because uh, it's it's 
um, once you finish the project, then you have to apply for another grant. But that grant is only ever enough to create the project. It's not enough to create a livelihood. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so these issues about uh, livelihood, um, I I think artists need to take the lead. They need to get together and brainstorm together. Actually, what our needs are and then those people in agent in the in the creative agencies uh, need to really listen to what the needs of artists are and how um, to help us find the solutions you know mm-hmm. yeah because I feel um, it may because I think between all of us, we're pretty, like, we're okay right now. We're pretty privileged that we don't have yeah. that more demanding kind of finances right now. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a, a huge majority of artists who are really struggling right now, and that I think we need to address. Um, they're really struggling to pay rent. They're really struggling to even buy groceries. Mm. So we need to think of a solution where we can help these more or less fortunate artists. So that's actually the challenge, right? That the visual arts community itself is so diverse in that sense. I mean, you have everyone from from independents to uh, people for whom this is really a hobby, um, to you know um, people who work with galleries, to grassroots artists, to the sort of big names in the Malaysian arts scene. How do we come up with solutions that address all of these different needs? I mean, where do we begin? Oh, I. Well, I've been saying for many years now that um, we should have a version of a rent subsidy for artists because this actually will solve, uh, it addresses artists across all backgrounds because it could be needs-based. And uh, also we have, um, in the visual arts, we really have a long-standing tradition of artist residencies. So an artist resident, well, uh, both Harris and Ruby both know about artist residencies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you 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 apply for artist residency and you get to go off and stay somewhere usually quite nice. And uh, yeah. if it's a good residency, you get a full stipend. Yeah, means yeah. you know you get an allowance and so on. Yeah. Um, so, but in Malaysia, you don't really find there's only a handful that really mm, you know that yeah. subsidize everything. Yeah. So um, if we could do an artist residency but in your own neighborhood is mm. basically a version of a rent subsidy but it's it it uh, uses this idea of the artist residency because why why are artist residencies important it's because uh, when an artist is in a place the idea is that the artist will contribute to that place in mm. terms of community in terms of their creativity mm-hmm. um so uh you know, it's sort of quite logical if you have an artist residency in your own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have funding to do this residency, basically in your own house, then you will be able to be more um, uh, contribute more to your local community as an artist. Mm. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think. Mm. Yeah, Rupa, thoughts? Um, so I think going back to what you said earlier, Sharmila, about how. Um, the art scene is actually made of very, very diverse kind of artists. But unfortunately, um, there is a particular elite group of people that the art scene seems to revolve around because uh, mm, the, the bigger portion of the money seems to be there, right? Um, and it 
opportunities, uh, information always seems to circle around the same uh, groups of people. So I think moving forward, we have to blur the lines and we have to be more open source about the information that I have. I really love um, Sharon Chin wrote a blog many, many years ago about applying for grants. And that was my Bible when I was <laughs> getting into the industry, Aww. you know, and I am sure um, Sharon at that point of time had to do all of that research herself and actually take time to sit and write those things out. But but she knew that if she took three years to, to learn it, it should help someone else um, after her, uh, you know, make make the time a little shorter than that, right? So I always think about that. Like, if it took me five years to get to the position I'm in, what can I do to make that time lesser for someone else who wants to get into the scene and make it less difficult for them, you know? I think when I first entered the scene, there was a lot of... Uh, skepticism and there was a lot of need to prove myself that I belonged in the scene and that I had something valuable to say and it took me many years to build that credibility and build that name for myself um, so it is also an attitude that we have uh, with inviting people who want to be part of the scene I think we should be a bit more welcoming um, yeah. and we should definitely look into you know in, instead of just giving aids blindly can we um, look into paying certain artists to create open source information that will help build the knowledge for the younger generation to to create better work. Um, mm, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And when yeah. we push the when we push some part in the lower ecosystem slightly higher, that will lift the entire ecosystem for the entire industry. Yeah, those are great ideas. Um, I feel like uh, in a smaller scale, I feel maybe just supporting your your friend or artist friends with just like simple commissions or little, little things that I think goes a long way also mm. in a smaller mm. scale. And mm, not just yeah. expecting free work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Mm. But um, on that question of sustainability um, one of the things that of course we've been seeing a lot of in the last um, few months because of the the fact that people cannot go out is this um, proliferation of um, you know all kinds of artists really sharing their work online so a lot of digital output yeah. a lot of um, social media campaigns revolving around um, sharing okay. of work um, now what are your thoughts on this is this um, is this really a sustainable endeavor <laughs> Um, so I, my background is in digital marketing, so I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, first of all, I think we need to understand that there's a huge change in our audience behavior. Uh, previously, when we we're talking about an audience coming to a gallery, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a session we look forward to, right? You leave behind your phones, you leave behind your problems in the world, you go into the space and you completely um, enter this new landscape that this artist has built for you, the curator has built for you. And so you get transported into a different world. But what happens when now we are sharing art online is that we are competing not just with um, other people who are making art the same way we do, we are competing with Netflix, YouTube, every other content creator that is online. We are competing with mm. multiple screens because you're not just looking at your laptop, you've got a phone with you. Um, and the, the focus that an audience would have walking into a gallery is not the same as the focus that they would give when you have a virtual exhibition on a digital space. So this has to be the clear understanding, first of all, before we can start thinking about 
solutions. So um, I find I, I'm noticing the trend that everyone was immediately starting to go live and starting to um, share a lot of their works online. Um, but I think this is a very temporary solution and it's not bringing in the bigger picture. We need to have a foresight into what this new post-COVID um, low-touch economy is going to be about. So we need to produce quickly, but we need to produce with a vision towards the future. Mm. Uh, I think throughout history, artists has an artist's work, artworks in general, has always been a reflection of culture and what's happening at the time. So I think there's nothing wrong with the change because artists always go through change. So we always adapt. Um, so it's interesting for me to see that um, this is our response to what's going on. And this, is, this will probably be in the history books in the future of what, how we responded to uh, the COVID being all online based. And I think um, like what Ruby said, yeah, uh, not to think about the solution yet, because I think right now it's a period where the creatives are just trying to figure out their own narratives and creativity and what that means to them right now and have a more solid understanding of that, uh, then we can go into thinking of uh, how we can uh, uh, use that uh, as leverage, I think. Oh, I, I don't know. I <laughs> Like with the internet, I mean, it's just such a... Like I, I haven't looked at any of the free content None of the museum tours. Mm, not, mm, I, I think I, I uh, tuned in to one live concert, uh, Terang Festival, and where uh, Kichau Bilau, were, uh, my, my friends, were performing. And mm. that's the only thing I've watched. Uh, I, I find it very tiring, to be honest, to consume content online. Uh, I, I find it very tiring. To consume live content, especially, mm. I so, would agree to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a lot. Is like bombarded. Yeah, yeah. And, and and also, um, I'm wondering whether in time it might contribute to the further devaluing of art. Mm. So um, you know, it's just a it's a free experience, basically. It's something that I mean that that's. Uh, uh, we might be conditioned to 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 feel that way mm. about mm. art. I mean, it's a it's mm. certainly a cycle that many other industries, for instance, the the newspaper industry went through. Right, you give it out mm. for free. Eventually, you may not be able to charge for it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious though to to bring it to a more personal level. In terms of your own work, have you been taking advantage of the online space? Have you been putting out work, you know, whether just for fun or whether because there's some potential that you see there? Um, <laughs> but, well, Harris uh, is active on on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've okay, actually I'll, caught a couple yeah. of Harris's Instagram uh, live um, work sessions. Um, yeah, so um, I've always I've always liked content uh, in a way. Um, so it's it's even before COVID. So just because of the quarantine, um, it kind of forced. Like I feel every time I'm under a certain situation, it's it forced me to become creative. So I've been yeah I've been using it a lot 
I've been getting a lot of these different ideas that I just want to churn out. Um, so yeah, I've been <laughs> so uh, online for me has been great. I think a great outlet, but also I need to remind that um, just because um, I churn out things like that, it's it's never a competition. Everyone goes through creativity on in their own ways you don't have to produce if you don't want to mm. you know so there's no yeah. it's whatever uh, whatever makes you feel comfortable I guess yeah mm. yeah I think previously I would have been insecure to be or to be going through Harris's um, Instagram oh, right no. I'm like <laughs> oh my god he's creating <laughs> every day I can't match up to his level of productivity and, and all oh no no but <laughs> The point was, I think as an artist, I've also grown up to to understand my value, right? That I am not someone who creates on a day-to-day basis. I'm not one of those artists. Uh, yeah, exactly, my work, yeah. yeah, my work takes a lot more time. Uh, it's uh, I actually have to sit. And in fact, most of the work that I do, 90% of it require, is the pre-planning, is the thinking of it, is the mm. research mm. of it. And then the 10% is my actual physical uh, work mm, of doing mm. and painting itself, right? Mm. So, I think uh, what I'm doing at this point of time is actually trying to figure out what is the disconnect between, because we are saying that we are consume, we want to consume art online still, but there's a big disconnect between the shows that are going on live, because uh, yeah. we are still sort of comparing it maybe to the experience that we have it on ground. Mm. So I think yes, we all have to erase all of this yeah. baggage that we have and start yeah. with a completely new plate um, yeah. on what it means for us to make art. So I'm actually spending a lot of time thinking about um, if I, uh, you know, one of my body painting projects is Antidote and that's a project I've been working on for the last two years and mm. it was supposed to be an on-ground exhibition. So, um, and actually, initially I wanted to make it a digital exhibition but, you know, two years ago, if I would say, if I would go and pitch and say, I want to make a digital exhibition, no one would have seen the value in that. But mm-hmm. this current situation has pushed everything to go online. So now, um, whatever I've been preparing for Antidote um, makes sense, right? Even my launch last year, the teaser part of it was all online. And so now it seems like it's the right way to move forward. But I want to make Antidote a lot more than just... Um, a, a, a pretty exhibition. I want it to be resourceful. I want uh, my audiences or the people that enjoy my work to come in there and to find other relevant information that are connected to my work. So it's not just going to be um, the photographs and the videos, but it's also going to be resources on where you can find information about um, things that um, surround the topic that I'm talking about. Mm. So it's coming up with more a more holistic solution um, and creating almost like this this um, space online that all feels communal. So it goes back to, again, how do I give my audience an experience? It doesn't matter if I'm seeing them personally on ground or if I'm seeing them online. I still have to figure out a way to give them an experience. So... Moving forward, um, you know, in terms of this, this, this phrase, the new normal keeps coming up, right? Um, are we looking, at least in the, in the next year or so, are we looking at a very different way of operating for the visual arts scene? And um, do you have thoughts on what that might look like? 
<laughs> I think the change is immense. The change is monumental. There's no going back. Well, not for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't think anything will look the same. Not just the art. The whole world will change. I'm, yep. In that, I'm pretty sure what it will look like, uh, I really don't know yet. And uh, for me now, I feel my task is to really stay in the moment and pay attention to the kind of future that I would like to live in. Um, and uh, I, I, I feel like that's my work now. And actually, that's the work of all artists because, mm. you know, it's our job to imagine. So we have a lot of tools at our disposal, including the internet, and we have to use them mindfully to construct what we want to see. There's no going back. I want to repeat this. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no new normal. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a future that we can look forward to. Mm. Uh, Harris. Um. Yeah. I feel like um. No one really knows what's going to happen. It's really still uncertain. Yeah. The best that we can do is just do the best we can for the time being, because I feel like we're all forced to face our emotions and our psychological state right now. So I'm just focusing on how that's affect, affecting my work. And yeah, you're, you're start, you start to question your whole existence, I feel, and uh, yeah. how you are as an artist. <laughs> so uh, art is just my way of navigating and trying to discover that part of myself. Mm. Um, Rupa, to take it back to this idea of um, what... What do you think the new normal could be? What are you taking away from this experience? I'm going to bring an example of um, what Google has been doing with Faces of Frida. I really enjoyed the, the whole uh, idea behind it. Mm. Basically, Google almost worked like a digital curator. They, they made the information there really comprehensive, very palatable for a digital audience. And they worked with almost 30 different um, collections around the world. Uh, but the the... the the reviews are coming in that there's still something missing in there. There's still a disconnect. Um, but for me, what I'm seeing in this picture is that if I see Google investing into something, I know there's a huge future in there. Um, it's a sign of growth. It's a sign of opportunity. So for us, the potential right now, because it's it's we borders are going to be erased. Um, we are connected globally. So the future for our work is actually a huge global market. We cannot think. Uh, we cannot think small anymore. We need to look beyond us and beyond what we are used to, and try to fit. Try to work on universal values, but still has a localized content and a localized flavor to it. Um, and I think then you don't have to worry about you know government aids coming in or not because you will have your own audience that uh, appreciate your work and they will find ways to support your work if they if they really like it so it is really opening up the mind to you know like what we're saying right now it's a whole new way of working and so we need to let go of our baggage um, and you know whatever resentment or bitterness that came from the old side or even advantages that we had from the old ways of working and figure out what works for us right now what 
what kind of work makes us feel good and makes our audience feel good as well. And this continuation of experimentation, putting things out, and then getting response. I think we can't we can't completely plan out a big plan and say, all right, guys, this is how we're going to do things in the next one year. I think every day we have to take one step closer towards that that thing. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a small step by step process. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, it, it really was lovely talking to you about this. Thanks. Thank you so much for having us. I've been speaking with artists Sharon Chin, Rupa Subramaniam and Haris Rashid about the struggles of the Malaysian visual arts community due to the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as what the future might hold. Um, if you've missed any part of this interview or any previous Front Row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.